If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It is IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 611 here for September 6th, yes, the unofficial game holiday slash fall season is upon us. There is a game called Starfield that has gone out wide today to Game Pass, to anywhere you want to buy it, anywhere you want to play it. Uh, and we've got plenty to talk about, although, you know, we we did a whole hour and 20 minutes on Starfield last week. Stella's back, though. Stella Chung, good to see you. Hello. Yes, I'm back from Gamescom and then immediately after PAX, uh, which I did see some of you guys there, which it was very nice. It was so cool. Um, I actually, okay, first of all, thank you for recognizing me with the blonde. <laughs> I was really worried about that. So it was very sweet. Um, yeah, so I've been playing, I played about five hours of Starfield last night. And nice. uh, it's better than what I thought it was going to be. But, you know, I know that People are saying that it gets better at like 10 hours. Yeah, so five like, hours is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which so I'm trying to get through that. Uh, it's definitely like all intro stuff, even at five hours, which was interesting. Yeah. But I did find some legendary weapons and stuff. And uh, I may have gotten in trouble stealing a dog plushie. But like, you know, my I am determined to, <laughs> to become the plushie pirate. Uh, nice. So I'm that's, very that's excited good, for that. That's a good living. I yeah, I just posted on Twitter the picture of like all the plushies sitting at a table together. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to wait till Destin's back for us to like really discuss because Destin, yeah, is, we... he just got back from Gamescom. So, or like, you know, from his vacation and stuff. So we're going to do like a bigger opinion piece then uh, on like what we think of the game so far. But yeah, um, I like exploding things in the game. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, yeah, you, we, we need to give you a week to, yeah, to yeah, really yeah. get into it and get going. I mean, I, I haven't been, been able to play as much as I would have liked since the last episode, but I did finally finish the Crimson Fleet whole entire quest line. Oh. It probably took me, I mean, that was probably a 12 to 14 hour quest line just by what? itself. Just that oh one entire faction quest line. And I loved it. Like I loved that quest line. Now I'm gonna, I like last night I finished it and then just selected, I went back to highlight the 
the main constellation quest line in my quest log. And I haven't even, and I just saved and quit and went to bed there. So <laughs> it's the first time I've gone back to the main quest since hour one of the game. Because I told my whole story last week, you weren't here. I accidentally got into the whole Crimson Fleet piracy quest line by okay. hitting the wrong button in a bar when we were I was talking to a bartender. I accidentally clicked in my right stick and it melee attacked the bartender and they called the cops and it turned into a whole thing. Ryan! <laughs> But it, it it actually it was like I said I've I've had a blast with it the last that entire faction quest line the last like 12, 14 hours so um, yeah I I do love that I mean that's always been the best part of Bethesda's RPGs for me is the 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 faction I mean the, everybody remembers the Dark Brotherhood quest line from Oblivion and there have just been so many good ones in their games over the years so. <laughs> Now I'm yeah, I'm gonna go back to the main quest line and see like what I'm actually supposed to be doing in this video game. But yeah, eager to hear more after you get to play a bunch more and from Destin uh when he's back next week. Cause it sounds like both of you got some sort of undetermined, maybe we'll find out if it's COVID bug or during your travels. <laughs> yeah. So far tests are negative, which is great. Um but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it a little bit in your voice, uh, yeah. having having just yeah. come off of it myself. So uh, appreciate you being here because I know, you know, when you're under the weather, mm -hmm. talking for an hour is not necessarily the most uh, physically enjoyable thing that, that you could be doing. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we'll, we'll welcome Destin back for the same same sickness reason next week, too. He's he wasn't <laughs> quite up to. Uh, up to getting on the show with us today, which I completely understand having having just gone through it. A quick bite of news, a little appetizer here before we get into our main topics. Yesterday, you know, we record on Wednesdays, of course, replaced, and the developer of that game, Sad Cat Studios, they posted a message to Twitter confirming that they are not going to make 2023 as far as a release date with their game. Uh, they say, first of all, we have to admit game development is hard. It's also rewarding in its own right, but mostly it's just hard. We would like to pay our respects to every team who delivers their project, no matter how small or big it is. It's a tremendous achievement. Uh, let me skim through here because there was, they basically just said, hey, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to sell ourselves short and ship it now when it's not quite ready to go. Um, so they are, they're taking a bit more time, and and thank you to our super producer Red if you're watching on video for putting some trailer footage up on screen because you know we we kind of all need a little reminder on why we're super excited about this game, which is a console exclusive on Xbox. You know, this is a, a very it's a like a pixel art Blade Runner. I mean, just look at the lighting in this. Actually, Khalif, you know, you I haven't really gotten to talk to you about this game. Like, what? How, yeah. Where is this on your sort of hype meter? I mean, it's really high. There was another game that that was spoken about some years ago that Last had a night. very similar. Yes, that game. Those two games were super high on my on my list yeah. in terms of seeing that kind of art form, that two two point five D perspective, uh, kind of side scrolling shooter, kind of make its move. And now both of them are, you know, one is probably indefinitely delayed. We haven't heard anything about the previous one for a very long time. But but now seeing that replaces not going to make twenty twenty three makes me a little sad but again 
it's not like we don't have things to play this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. There's no I can't imagine anybody in the Xbox community is complaining about this delay. We just got Starfield. We're gonna talk in a minute about how we're gonna have Baldur's Gate at three in the next three months. Like there's Forza Motorsport comes out in a month from now. So <laughs> right. yeah, we're not exactly hurting for for fun stuff to play. Yeah, I, I think the, the the extra layers of polish again for a game like this, and and again, it just tells you not only again just how hard it is to make games, but how how quickly you have to pivot once you don't really see it kind of hitting the your, your initial time frame. Yeah. But I'm really excited for stuff like this. I think again, we have this conversation about the breadth and depth of the Xbox catalog, and having games like this in there, knowing that it's coming, knowing that it's going to be probably a banger i'm just hyped for that kind of stuff i want to see more of it kind of come to the comes up platforms that's dope yeah and if uh if we now look ahead a little bit i know you know as gamers we need to we, we try to we try to enjoy the moment but we can't help but look ahead a little bit to what the next <laughs> thing is but now you know with with replaced totally confirmed for next year i mean i think we all would have guessed it at this point because uh it's it's september 6th as we record they, they probably, if they hadn't announced a release date by now, they probably weren't going to make this year, and that's okay. So now that we know we got replaced next year, we don't know quite when, but what we do know is Stalker 2 is in Q1, as I think we mentioned on either last week's show or the week before. So Stalker 2, we've got replaced, we've got Hellblade 2, and Avowed. Like, those are four ex very different exclusives all xbox exclusives you've got a triple a first person shooter you've got the as you as you well put it Kyle, the you know 2.5d pixel art blade runner kind of noir action adventure game from a smaller team you've got hellblade 2 which is your sort of classic third you know third person highly polished narrative psychological horror adventure and then avowed as a big first-person open-world role-playing game, so you know there there will no doubt be more that comes to Xbox uh, on an ex you know just talking exclusively next year. But those four right there, Stella lineup. I mean that that's got the the outline of a of a nice year to look forward to already for next year for Xbox. Yeah, no, it's great. I feel like we were just talking about how there aren't enough games coming out for Xbox, but now. Here they all are, the ones that we wanted, and they're all coming out. So I'm very excited for next year. This year, I feel like we're at a cap. Please stop. I, I have <laughs> enough time. I am barely getting by on like getting, I feel like I'm putting in all my hours on like all the different games, but it's like never enough because I'm just yeah. like, oh, I have to split up all this time. I refuse to be a backlog gamer any more than I am. <laughs> and it's becoming really hard not to be. So um, yeah, I feel really good about the games coming out. Um, I'm so sad. I didn't have time to play Stalker 2 when I was at Gamescom because it was just so busy, but very excited for that one. And I, yeah. I know I keep talking about that, but also seeing replaced again, I'm like, oh yeah. This looks mm -hmm. so good. It looks so story rich. I am so excited for it. So yeah, next year I'm like, I'm excited, but I'm going to work through everything. And then as they come out, I'll play it, which is why I'm like, not that upset that replaced has gotten delayed. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Destin did get to play stalker too. So once he gets back next week, we'll, we'll make sure to get the report from him. Um, yeah. I mean, you're right about this year. What, what a, 2022 versus 2023 talk about opposite sides mm -hmm. of the spectrum 
you know, this this time last year, we were we were begging for anything like th- <laughs> it's like yeah. throw us a freaking bone here, people. You know, or it's just like <laughs> come on, anything. And now this year, you're 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 you weren't even joking when you were like, please stop. That's enough yeah. video games. Because I mean, just right now, the the Monkey Island Legend of Monkey Island, Tall Tales, and Sea of Thieves. <laughs> That's made for me, and I, I I haven't played more than the little snippet of the first one that I, I got to play as a, a pre-release thing. So I've got that Aww. that I really want to get to. I have, uh, I mean, Sea of Stars looks awesome. I backed that on Kickstarter years ago. It's in yes. Game Pass, and I, I got a Steam code for my probably <gasps> use on the Steam Deck uh, because I had backed it on Kickstarter like three or four years ago. So you've got that. I mean, but you know, any gaming time I have is going to the game behind me, to Starfield, because it's not a small video game. And Forza Motorsport is looming. <laughs> and it's like, well, I I wonder how much like am I even gonna be will I have even dented Starfield by the time Forza shows up in a month? <laughs> and I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, but uh yeah, it's we're eating good right now, and and the the uh, <clears throat> the forecast is looking really nice already, uh, without really knowing anything about 2024 for Xbox, or at least not knowing much. Uh, and one of those games, which I alluded to a moment ago, we got to start here because this is what we were calling for. This actually is a bit of old news, but we had we didn't get a chance to talk about it since we were all Starfield all the time last week. But this is a huge story that we've got to circle back on. Uh, I was among many people, I mean, on this show, I I called for it and and plenty of people in the community did the same, calling on Phil Spencer and Xbox leadership to drop the parity requirement between Xbox Series X and Series S so that we could get Baldur's Gate 3, by all accounts, an absolutely tremendous video game onto the Xbox platform because it's not a PlayStation exclusive. It's just been hung up because of the the split screen on the Series S. Well, kudos to Phil Spencer and to the Xbox leadership team. They have done exactly that. They have uh they have bent the rules exactly as I as I hoped they would and and thought eventually they would. So here we are just shy of three years into the these the new generation. You have the first exception to the rules being made. Uh the studio head uh, at Larian saying on Twitter. Super happy to confirm that after meeting with Phil Spencer, we found a solution that allows us to bring Baldur's Gate 3 to Xbox players this year still, something we've been working towards for quite some time. His name is Sven Vinke. He went on to explain the situation, uh, saying that Xbox Series X will have the split screen feature, while the Series S simply won't get split screen. However, all the hot fixes, all the improvements, patches, will be, of course, in the Xbox version, as you would expect. And there will be cross-save progression between the Steam and Xbox Series version. So if you've, if you've already bought it uh, on your PC, on Steam, and you want to move over and, and continue it on your console, uh, on the couch, you will be able to do that. So that's, that's nice to have as well. So, uh, Khalif, let me go to you first here, just getting the reaction this is this is obviously a welcome thing. Are you surprised that the rules were bent? Are you? I mean, what's what's your thought here? Not surprised. I mean, I think the 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 biggest takeaway from this for me is that 
studios trying to make games are always going through processes of trying to figure out the best ways to tune those for the hardware. Phil has done exactly what he needed to do from a company and public persona and from a, you know, uh, let's let's make sure gamers are, are happy perspective by getting one of the biggest games of the year on the platform where people were asking for it. And I think fans also then get a chance to now think a little bit more about the development process, right? Where it's not that easy, just like, just fix it conversation that we see happen all the time. It's more of how do you work with partners who are, who are you know, not necessarily first party ones to make sure yeah. that they're getting the, the proper support that they need to be able to make the games on your platform that you want to see happen there. So I think it's a lot of different angles to this that I think are going to be interesting. The one other thing that I thought was was kind of um was funny was somebody was trolling the other or, or other day about seeing um someone shared some 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 data. He had done a, a little bit of testing and was like, the game is running at 21 frames per second uh, in split screen. And then if you actually looked at the video, they're like, no, it's pretty stable 30 frames per second across X and S here. Uh, but it is the, the always the like one-upsmanship in the community of like, well, why didn't you see <laughs> why this thing isn't working right? But it is actually working right. It's it's funny to see those those uh, warring factions continue to have their their say in the in the mix when the actual information is that it runs pretty well, even on the S, which is something that people were hoping for. So good job, Phil, and the rest of the team. Like getting to getting that job done was probably not easy. Uh, and it takes a little bit of time to make that happen, but they got it done. That's good. Yeah, Stella, your thoughts here, Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox. Uh, yeah, the more the merrier. Uh, please play this so I can talk to you about this because, um, <laughs> oh my God, I love this game. It is so good. You can... There's so many different options. And if you need help making a character, hit me up. I can help you because it gets very overwhelming very quickly. Um, but yeah, no, I like I I love that the older I get, the more I, I decide to branch out into different games. And I never was in a turn-based combat, but now I'm just like, oh, maybe, maybe I can I can be. Um, for the right story, I can be. So for this one, it's it's very good. Hours and hours of playtime. Again, if we're playing Starfield. Finish that. I, I want to say commit to a big game that you're playing right now because you will not finish it if you start another one. Um, but yeah, I'm very glad that they were able to do this. It was so funny. I saw this update and I was like, Ryan, they literally did what we said to do. And I was like, <laughs> they listened. So very happy about that. Um, always super happy to have more gamers on a game that I'm playing. And because like, yeah, I want to talk about this all the time. So very happy about this. Um, very horny game. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Do with that what yeah, you, you were you were twitch streaming <laughs> you were you were streaming showing off uh you had like multiple private part options going on on your, on your <laughs> no <It> was... <laughs> there's, there's and... a whole there's a whole thing going on there's a three okay it was really funny i used my webcam i moved it over my character's private parts but then there yeah. was, my chat i just see boobs and i was like oh no i forgot the top half <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah i flashed my stream um so just be aware of that <laughs> oh man um Khalif, i don't know if uh if if any bells went off in your head when when uh when stella was talking about that she can that she, it turns out she can get into a turn-based rpg with the right story i think stella after you complete Starfield and Baldur's Gate 3, which, you know, maybe so next year sometime, <laughs> given how huge these games are, but uh, th there's a game you should play now that you're, you have opened your world up to 
turn-based combat with a great mm -hmm. story in a role-playing game. And it's a, it's a little video game from the original Xbox called Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, you, yeah. I, no, that, that's the game that also made me get into it because I finished the first one. Oh, I, need to I have the yeah i have the second okay. one on steam and i have all the mods but again i am playing through all of these other games yeah because i was originally <laughs> going to play it yeah i bought that on i know people are going to come after me but i bought that on switch because it was like 10 bucks i was like oh, yeah, why not this yeah. is good because i don't have a steam deck yet um and i was playing it and i was like oh no this is good why do i like this because <laughs> yeah, i it's... never expected to like that sort of combat but i was like no this is really fun yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of similar. You know, I'm not, I don't love turn-based combat. I've never really been a JRPG fan. Yes. Uh, I, I've, I've preferred Western RPGs mostly because uh, the, the combat, you know, more, more often than not is not necessarily turn-based. But yeah, KOTOR, KOTOR had me, had me pausing the action and queuing up attacks and get man uh, that just such good memories of that game yes uh, so i'm glad i'm glad you've already played it that's uh I, I it's a good recommendation for our audience though especially the the younger audience if you are if you are going to play Baldur's gate 3 on xbox and you do get super into it and you're like hey turn-based combat it's cool yes. go back and play kotor uh, which you can still buy on the on the store on the xbox mm -hmm. storefront i believe it's Unless it's gone on sale, which if it has, great. But I believe it's just ten. It's ten bucks yeah, digital exactly. download. It's backwards. You can play it on your Series X or Series S or Xbox One. And yeah, Kotor, one of the greats. But it holds uh, up really well. But save every moment you get because it does not auto save for you. And I promise yeah. you, you will end up regretting that. It's it's a twenty year old <laughs> game, so yeah. checkpointing was not sort of a, the norm no. the way it is now. Like I will, I will give Starfield a lot of credit for that. Like it, it puts, it throws down yeah. auto saves and it, like it saves a lot. So if you do screw something up or kind of get into a, a a point of where you're where you respawn and you're just in a bad way, you can back up without having to lose lose too much progress, which uh, which I do appreciate because when I was in in the in the end sequence of the uh, or about near the end sequence of the Crimson Fleet action quest line last night there's a there was kind of a gauntlet to be run through that, <laughs> that uh, i had to take advantage of those sometimes like oh i need to back up a little further here just to to take another cleaner shot at this it's like a forza rewind button kind of, yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong so uh, i guess the last note on Baldur's gate 3 again uh, you heard it from from the head of larian studios we will be getting it this year, so as soon I'm sure as soon as they can kind of land on a date where they know they're going to be clearing certification and and ready to to ship it on on presumably the latest build, you know, after after whatever next big patch is coming, we'll certainly pass that date along. But you know, could be it is it going to be October? Maybe I, November probably seems like the safer bet, just because we know they're. They're still working on this. Could it slip to December? Absolutely, but uh, it does seem like we are going to have that in the next three months here, uh, which is which is great news. And they did say later that the Series S might still get split screen later. It is something they're gonna they're gonna try to work on, but they're not making any promises on that. So, yay for Baldur's Gate three on its way. Starfield is here now, um, but I. I want to go back again, back in time a little bit 
to Gamescom. Of course, Stella, you were there. Destin was there. And I'm bummed that Destin's not here to... <laughs> he should be the one to, to talk us through this because he, he did this. But if you haven't seen it, Destin got a big sit-down interview with Phil Spencer at Gamescom, which is well worth a read, well worth a watch, however you'd like to consume it. And I, I want to go through a few different nuggets, a few different sections of this that are worth talking about. And I want to start with Phil Spencer's thoughts on potentially bringing Call of Duty and other Activision Blizzard games to Game Pass. So I thought Destin did a great job asking just good direct questions that gamers want to know. And Phil, Sp Phil said, I want to make sure people know that there's work to actually move games to Game Pass. So for the people who think the deal is going to close and then everything's available, that's not true. And it hasn't been true in other acquisitions that we've done. There's work for us to go do, just mechanical work for us to go do. So it'll take us time, definitely time, to get the games in the portfolio. And then uh, later, so it was kind of like, well, there was the idea that Bobby Kotick, the current CEO of Activision Blizzard, <laughs> who I do not think will survive the, the transition, and quite frankly, I hope he does not, uh, Destin followed up about that. Well, hey, what about Bobby Kotick saying that he's not a big fan of, of putting Call of Duty into a subscription service? Phil Spencer laughed when, when asked how he'd handle those different ideologies when the deal closes. He says, quote, well, there's a different person making the decisions. He, he laughed, referring, of course, to himself in that scenario. On Game Pass, it's not necessarily true that every game looks at Game Pass and says, that's the opportunity for me. If you're a massively successful AAA franchise that has double-digit million marketing budget to go drive awareness and discovery of your game on day one, and that's part of your model, I totally understand why you wouldn't window your game day one into a subscription. We've got no issue with that. We do it as a first party because we're trying to grow the subscription, and we're looking at the overall health of the subscription as an outcome. We love that. We see it grow on console, more growth on PC definitely now, which has been awesome, especially uh, as, the, as he was taking in the sights and sounds of Gamescom. Uh, so it, the, the quote kind of continues, but that's, that's the real gist of it. So uh, I, let me come back to, <laughs> to this, Khalif. I'll start with this. First of all, do, do you think that, that uh, the maybe world's least the gaming world's least loved CEO, Bobby Kotick. Do you think he will uh, he will be shown the door by Mr. Spencer once this deal finally closes? And the internet and the gods and the earths and everybody else on the, <laughs> in the universe will be like, get him out of here. Uh, it'll, it'll be really interesting. It was also really nice to hear Phil have that moment with Destin because that was like his Vince McMahon gif moment where he gets to walk through with the elbows out. <laughs> Oh, uh, which is which is kind of nice. Like, no, I I'm I'm running this, and and this is the the way we're gonna do this. Um, yeah, I think Bobby Bobby will probably not make the transition. He'll get a nice golden parachute, and then he'll he'll go to Tahiti and hang out with NBA stars. Uh, he'll do that thing. <laughs> um, but it'll be it'll be one of those things where I think I really appreciate also kind of Phil giving us a little bit of behind the curtains there, where the conversation does become one in which 
you do talk about the different scenarios of why you would want to bring your, your game to Game Pass and maybe why you wouldn't. Again, it is a thing to, to grow not only the player base of a game, but get visibility out there early on for games that are potentially maybe not going to have a, a big, strong audience in that way and a way to kind of also give, again, fans and players another access point to the greater conversation that Phil has and the rest of the Xbox team has talked about over the past five to six years, which is we want you to have games wherever you play. Wherever you find that device that you are using, it then becomes another access point for you to be able to play these things in that way. It does make me think, though, for a game as big as Call of Duty, what would that look like for a Game Pass release, right? Where it's already huge, it's already got a ridiculous player base in, in terms of numbers. Does that make that even grow even more than we've already seen? Is that a thing that people who are, you know, kind of the annual purchasers of a game like Call of Duty, does that make them want to dig in and say, well, if I'm already in Game Pass and I'm going to get this game that I know I'm going to play already, does that just save me more money to spend on DLC and microtransactions in the game? Like, how does that play into the conversation for you as a player if you're seeing a game that big in the ecosystem? That's super, I want someone to do that math for me so I can kind of understand what that means for the greater conversation. And does that actually give more people the want to jump on Game Pass in a way that they haven't done before? Well, that, and that's where I think that's the real question is, is do you, does the number of people you drive to Game Pass, is that greater than just continuing to sell the game outside of Game Pass because you know that an eight-figure number of people are going to buy it every single year? Like, that's... Right. Somebody... There, there are data, very well-paid, highly educated data analysts at Microsoft that are, I'm sure, have run those numbers over and over again <laughs> and are trying to figure out the exact, you know, best way to monetize it while hopefully tr not like trying to take advantage of, of customers or, 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 you know, or anything like that. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. Stella, your thoughts on, uh, <laughs> on Activision Blizzard games, Call of Duty or otherwise, potentially making their way to Game Pass down the road. I think it would be very smart. Um, a lot of people nowadays are just like, oh my God, $70 games, especially a $70 Call of Duty game that a lot of people would not otherwise play. And of course, Warzone is still going to be free, um, which is great. And I know a lot of people who play Warzone because it's a free-to-play game. They get to play with their friends. Um, but a lot of times there are some really cool events and really cool things that come to multiplayer. And you need the full game to even play that. So I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I'm tired of Warzone. Let's go to multiplayer where you can like, you know, die, come back, die, come back, you know, that fast-paced Call of Duty thing. Um, and I think people are going to like that, and they're probably going to buy, they're probably going to actually download the full game and play the campaign. Um, they're going to, and now there are raids in the campaign mode that you can't play unless you have the actual campaign. So that sucks. Uh, so it's one of those things of, like, I definitely think that it's going to... Oh, hey, this is my multiplayer review. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be one of those things where the audience is definitely going to grow. Um, I'm going to be able to get a lot of my friends into this because they're like, well, I can't justify the price for me. Yeah. But this is definitely going to get people into the waters. And then I think potentially they might even buy older titles. And also, let me tell you, the Battle.net UI for playing Warzone is ass right now. It is yeah. so bad. Like, you have to do modern warfare you have to play it's call of duty that you download 
it just Call of Duty. And I was so worried because I was like, where did my Warzone go? Where did all this stuff go? They consolidated it. So I would totally trust Game Pass to make it very apparent what game you're playing because they yeah. want you to know, hey, this you would not have without Game Pass. So it's, I think they would do a pretty good job of that. Um, again, audience would grow very much, which I think would be very fun and very cool. Uh, more people would be able to experience new Call of Duties that they otherwise would not, especially since they release so often. Um, and, you know, you still have your season passes and battle passes and everything. So they're going to get more money because the more people play, the more they're like, oh, that person has a really cool skin. And I'm playing with my friend all the time. Why not just throw $10 one time, one season, yeah. you know? So it's going to be one of those things of this is going to generate FOMO and players are going to buy more into it. So I think it's very smart of them and they're going to generate, they're going to be fine. You know, they're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, well said. I mean, that because for me, I'm... You, you all know how much I love Diablo 4. That, like, Diablo 4, to me, as a service game, makes a ton of sense to put onto Game Pass. Because we just heard, uh, there was a new interview with Rod Ferguson, this, and he said that the plan is for there to be a full, proper expansion every year. And we know they have, they, they have their battle pass, they have their seasons of content. So that's one where I could see, I mean, particularly since Diablo 4, by the time this deal closes, will have been out for some number of months. Where throw it into throw Diablo Four into Game Pass, you bring in a ton of new players. And speaking from personal experience, Diablo Four will hook you really fast. It is it is not a slow burn in Diablo Four. You will get right in, and you will immediately get it. Be feeling the 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 uh, the narcotic like pull of that of that <laughs> grind of that combat loop. And you'll you know you're, you'll spend money on the battle pass and on on the expansion. So um, yeah, I but Call of Duty being that unicorn that it is, I I'm genuinely not convinced. I, I'm I'm really uncertain as to whether Microsoft would put Call of Duty into Game Pass on day one. I could I think mm. absolutely they'd put it in after maybe three months at the most like you know because those first three months we know from npd it does sell all year like call of duty has legs every year and it does continue to sell but i, I could see where maybe like after this turn of the new you know if it comes out in october or in this case this year early november maybe sometime early in the following year it goes into game pass after everybody's kind of bought it and and you got that fomo factor that you're both talking about but I'm I'm not sure if if they're gonna want to turn down the guaranteed seventy dollar game purchases that they know they're gonna get on day one. Here's a quick question for both of you too. I think the thinking in here you talk about Diablo in this way, there, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think there are a ton of games of service games on Game Pass currently. If I'm if I'm thinking about that, I'm kind of like rolling through the the games in my head. The question I have for both of you is with a game like Call of Duty in the mix and Diablo doing fairly well, do you think with games as service having this kind of weird feeling in the gaming community where it kind of has a, a kind of negative specter around it, could a game coming to Game Pass as big as Call of Duty or something maybe going day and date and having a successful run, does that maybe change the sentiment around the idea around games as service? Because you're kind of weirdly uh inceptioning service within a service kind of stuff does you feel mm -hmm. like that because you wind up cutting off that initial hit 
and that that initial hurt of the financial layer there by saying you got this game but now you can enjoy all the other stuff you might not have spent money on maybe um yeah no i mean valorant is a live service game and that's on game pass now same with other mm. live service right games which honest if i'm being honest they do not need microsoft's platform they're doing just right. fine elder scrolls online comes to mind for me oh as, as so we're very different that's so funny that i immediately go to yeah. like fps and you're just like uh hello am i love this rpg <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> no totally um yeah i man it i think it definitely does get rid of that like oh it's here sure why not right um yeah. and you with valorant in the right games you can get some of the characters that you otherwise would not have been able to get which is nice so you do get that and that that does kind of lower the barrier to entry for a lot of people um i don't know about elder scrolls online so i'll let ryan talk about that but well i i you you made all great points the the thing actually i'm gonna i'm gonna just pivot a little because Kyle, when you were when you said that, it made me it made me actually come up with a a kind of counter argument to my own point from a minute ago about not mm. being sure if if Call of Duty would go into Game Pass on day one. You know, one thought that that might be a reason why it would why it might, uh, Microsoft would want to put it into Game Pass on day one is, and, and tell me if if either of you disagree because I you know I'm I'm not thinking this through yet. I'm just kind of uh, thinking through it in real time, but. I wonder if if Call of Duty Day One Game Pass could have a very positive gravitational effect, meaning if, if Call of Duty is there on day one, it's going to pull in a ton of subscribers, meaning if you're another publisher, you're going to want your game in Game Pass because sure, those people are they're going to be playing Call of Duty, but it makes your game a lot easier for that player to maybe you know fire up and check out because they're they've subscribed they've call of duty has sucked them in to the the subscription and another publisher might go well yeah you know what i want to get in on game pass too because with all these people in there for call of duty it gives my game a better chance of being seen of being downloaded of being tried out and ultimately of having money spent within it am i am i off base here am i making sense khalif i think it could work in that way depending upon how things are viewed on the store like you know if you if your game that you decided to throw into you know you decided that you were going to say microsoft we need some some help with our marketing we're gonna we're gonna forego the initial upfront sales that we might get so that we can get prime placement in the store and that placement is, vi is super visible then that makes a ton of sense for you because then you're not only like you said up against the next to all of these other bigger titles but then you do have that potential kind of you know waterfall effect of people checking out your stuff in that way too so i think it depends it would probably really depend on the numbers it really depends on where the current visibility is with the store but it could be something really interesting i'd love to see someone who's maybe done that and because i'm sure that's happened at some point with some game that was like this just makes sense because there's a lot of buzz right now around the service we should be yeah. here so, so yeah. i wonder if that makes some sense yeah so that makes sense stella yeah I mean, I, th I think Starfield's like that, right? A lot of people are like, I don't know if that's not my kind of game. And, you know, they pl they're they like, oh, it's on Game Pass in a few days? Sure, why not? And of course, there is, again, there's that FOMO of like people being able to play early if you upgraded, which again, if you, a lot of people forget that if you have Game Pass, you also get a discount on actually purchasing those games off of that app, which is great. 
So, you know, you could upgrade for like $30 or just like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be things like that too, um, especially since Call of Duty does have that thing where you can play early if you uh, pre-order. And I think mm -hmm. Xbox will most likely do a deal like that on their platform as well, so you can own the game. And then on top of that, you're also going to buy seasonal updates and stuff like that. So um, even if it drops day one, I think, I think it'll do great numbers. And also the amount of times people forget to uh, unsubscribe from monthly oh, things sure. you know <laughs> yep. i think I mean, they're the, also going to be counting on that right yeah the streaming services bank on literally bank on that yeah. from all of us all the time <laughs> all the time that happens so yeah. uh good point well we'll see what shakes out there now i kind of want to every, everybody listening is going well when are you going to talk about the thing that the headline topic the, the reason that <laughs> that i wanted to hear this when are you going to talk about the mid-gen refresh? Let's talk about that now, because uh, there are a couple more topics I want to get to. So let's get to our headline topic. So Destin asked Phil, again, great question, and Phil answered, uh, well, it's, I'll, I'll leave how you feel about his answer up to, to both you two as panelists and, and to our listeners. Do you have any news about some sort of mid-generation refresh for Xbox? And obviously, Phil's not going to make a product announcement right then and there on the IGN stage, although he's welcome to do so anytime. We invite him to do that. But here was Phil's answer, and uh, I want to get each of your thoughts on this. Phil says, no, no, we're, we're doing right now the increased storage on the Series S, but no, like I said, we're kind of at the end of the beginning in my mind. So I think we need to let developers settle on this hardware and get the most out of it. But in terms of increased frame rate, increased resolution, I just look at what goes on with on PC with high-end GPUs, high-end CPU, and it's not always just about pixel count or frame resolution. I think there's lighting techniques. There's a bunch of things that go into what makes a game look and feel great. And we have a ton of headroom as an industry there. Stella, I'll go to you first. Uh, so he's at, at the, I think the most generous way you could interpret that is that there won't be a mid-gen refresh for at least the next couple of years. And you could potentially interpret that as there not being one at all. I, what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. I think I agree with Phil. I mean, it's, they have a lot of headroom. Yes. Because I feel like the industry wasn't ready for this generation yet, because I feel like we are just now getting up to date with all the technology that the modern consoles have to offer. And we're just like, Okay, I think developers are finally, because obviously it came at a time when like the pandemic hit, right? So it's like, okay, they're finally able to get back into the flow of things. They're finally able to test the hardware that we have now. So it doesn't even feel like mid-generation, honestly. It feels like we're like at the beginning. So it's one of those things of like, yeah, no, they need more time with it. We just haven't had more time. And I think Baldur's Gate is a really good telling point of that. Because like even with the PS5, they're doing the early access. They're testing everything, seeing what they can max out. Um, same with like the Series S and X. And um, yeah, I think developers just need a lot more time with this. And it's great. I, I love that Phil is actually acknowledging that they have a lot of more space that they can do with the Series X. And I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We lost like two years of the pandemic. Um, we need those two years back and we're just now catching up. So, yeah. Kana, your thoughts? Yeah, and you know, bouncing and piggybacking off of what Stella said perfectly, I think the 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 thing that we've always seen, and this has not been a new a new revelation to anyone who's been watching video games over the past decade, has been everything gets really really dope towards the end of the generation, and 
Also, it would be a marketing head. It would just like the worst thing that marketing could do right now for Xbox when they've gotten some good graces back is to now throw a new version of hardware while also a huge part of the fan base, as I've had a ton of arguments on Twitter the past 72 hours about what the hardware can do versus can't do, what the expectation should be from the player base and from the community. And hearing conversations about how folks who are very you know learned in the community still get the technology wrong and trying to make that work, that's just a logistics nightmare for marketing to have to redo all of that work. And then you piggyback that off of all the new things that devs are going to have to work into the pipeline to get things to work. We saw again, the conversation with Larian and the, and the, the, the struggles that they had getting, you know, split screen on the S and, and, and on the X and all that. You just make that infinitely harder for the folks who are developing games to make sure that you have that platform parity uh, if you're going to keep the parity clause in there. So smart for him to talk about that and, 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 you know, not, not give that away if they're even working on something that's, you know, a smaller form factor, maybe would be nice for some stuff like chunking yeah. all the goodness that you have in next and in an even smaller box, but messing with the innards of that console right now, you're just going to cause chaos in, in these streets. It'll be people <laughs> not knowing what to do with themselves uh, and fussing about how games aren't supposed to get made on these consoles. So, yeah, don't yeah, please I... don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by Nord VPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, Nord VPN is a great way to go. You can use Nord VPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash U-N-L-O-C-K-D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash Unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> so, okay, so you don't even, you're not even looking for it. I, I'm torn on it, honestly, because, yeah. I mean, as, as both of you have well, well described, all signs point to they're either not being a mid-gen refresh at all, or this generation's just going to get extended way out mm-hmm. and the mid-gen refresh will come later. Although I believe, and a commenter will probably know this instantaneously, I'm, I'm, this is a, a thinking extempor- extemporaneously thing. Wasn't there something in the, in the, uh, the court testimony in the, when Phil was on the stand and all that stuff where didn't we kind of get a vague idea that it, it 2028 was going to be the next Xbox. I feel like, all right, I'm, uh, I'm seeing nodding. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think I'm I remembering that, correctly, that there was some sort of indication that maybe that was, that was the plan. And that's certainly what we all would have guessed anyway. I mean, these launched yes. in a 28 year dev cycle. It was right. uh, what seven years for the Xbox One generation, eight years for the 360 generation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 2028 seems right. Um, and, but and, but uh, but we know we have we have price increases that have happened for the first time ever. That is not indicative of a mid gen refresh coming along at any time at any time soon. We have uh, the the cost of the consoles is usually reduced during the you know, over the first few years which is often as as you noted Khalif reflected in us getting a slim you know a smaller form factor cheaper to manufacture box from from the hardware manufacturer and we haven't seen that yet uh and then yeah Stella your point about about this generation really only just now getting rolling because of the two years that all of us, developers, players alike, lost to the pandemic. I don't know. I, I just, I really thought that after the series, excuse me, the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro last gen, I thought this this whole mid-gen refresh thing was here to stay forever. I thought that was going to be a new, just a new mm. normal. But, you know, you think about it too, and Phil kind of alluded to this in, in his answer to Destin, there's no... 8k to go to right we're not yeah. we're not going to 8k right like with the, the the one x we went from the xbox one being a, a 1080p machine to there was a real obvious to your point cop marketable thing with the one x where play your xbox one games in 4k with this machine right. a mid-gen refresh now isn't going to do that. It's it's not that there wouldn't be improvements. You'd get, you know, 4K 60 more reliably uh, with a mid, you know, maybe st- like Starfield could potentially be 4K 60 on a on a you know Xbox Series X Pro or or Series XX, whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> yeah, there just isn't going to be that obvious thing. Like I know ray tracing is something that. The machine's capable of. We haven't really seen too much of it because it's. We've learned it's got a lot of. Uh, it, it sort of costs a lot in terms of of dev resources. So yeah, I you know I thought Phil gave a fair answer there without explicitly. I mean, he's Phil. He he. You you kind of have to learn to. You have to learn to speak Phil. 
because he, you know, <laughs> being the CEO of a multi-billion-dollar division of a, of a trillion-dollar company, he 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 kind of can't often just come right out and go, "Yes, we're going to do a mid-gen refresh." He's he he would never say that in an interview like that. So, yeah, I I've gone from being certain that we would get a mid-gen refresh at the start of this generation, pandemic or not, to now I'm I'm I would say I would lean towards doubtful. I'm not. I'm not convinced it won't happen, but I, I'm no longer super optimistic that it will. Here, here's yeah. a, here's another thing. Go ahead, Stella. Go ahead. You, you had a oh, thought. I was just going to talk about like, we, yeah. So we were seeing if you were watching on on YouTube, like the video version, we were cycling through the different trailers that boasted, you know, 4K, 120 up to 120 yeah. FPS. We have not gotten any games that can consistently do 60 FPS. And I was actually I was curious, so like, hmm, how many of the games on the Xbox Series can currently support 120 fps it doesn't mean that they can be right it just means that they can support it so you you meant 120 earlier not 60 right you're talking about 120 yeah 120 120 yeah because the, the the trailer is all set up to 120. um mm -hmm. so it's like a lot of the older games like battlefield 1 4 uh hardline borderlands 3 call of duty black ops cold war modern warfare warzone which is great but i haven't seen people say that they've gotten to 120 so if you have please let me know because that's huge doom eternal uh the the halo master chief collection which i have not tested that i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't put it past it because it is old an older game so absolutely uh, apparently halo infinite as well but yeah, i have not seen that yeah, can you run that at 120? Have you tried? I think so. You think so? Yeah, okay. Not, not positive. Yeah, but I see things like Mirror's Edge Catalyst, Overcooked 2, um, Resident Evil 7. So it's a lot of these games that, and Titanfall 2, of course. Yes. Older stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of older stuff. So I feel like, yeah, no, we're fine. When Phil says that they have a lot of headroom, they mean it because I don't think like Starfield doesn't run at. 120 it doesn't support up to 120 so i'm just like there can be so many updates to all of these games that came out this year last year that make them utilize the full capabilities of the xbox so anyways sorry Ka, go ahead <laughs> no 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 you 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 leaned right into the parts of the conversation that i was going to jump into too i think the thing that i have the most frustration with is when i'm talking to fans out in the twitterverse and social media is that the idea of xbox lied about what their what their hardware can do and i think that there's a conversation there that needs to be rehad about what do we mean by next generation hardware what do we mean by next generation gaming i think the ideas that were put out there around ray tracing and 120 hertz and speed that you'll get off the ssd and all of those interconnected things that make up your experience there's a big difference between what the aspirational work of hardware can do and what winds up happening when developers have to make games for what that aspirational hardware is when you're getting that initial understanding of what that's going to be as a developer from conversations i've had is that you get a spec and you figure out what that spec is going to be and then you kind of work towards as much as you can for that spec you see that get a lot easier towards the end of a, of a generation like we've talked about but also from the player perspective and this is maybe where marketing kind of oversteps its bounds is there is a little bit of we are thinking about the future of games and we may not get there in the generation that we're in but you will get some of the kind of features that will go alongside that experience 
So it winds up being a really difficult conversation to really parse out if you are a person who is not super learned about the space or understand the technology in those ways, where we didn't really get a full understanding and a full definition of what the expectation for next gen gaming was going to be. Or now we're figuring that stuff out in real time while the games are coming out. So I think there's a good balance there. And I, and I think Phil did a really good job there of talking about where we're at now. But I think that that definition of where we are from a technology standpoint is going to continue to evolve throughout the next parts of this generation. Does that, go, does that come in the next gen refresh? I hope not. Does that come at the end of the generation? We'll probably see that happen. I'm, so I'll, I'll put it to each of you here. Do you want to see a mid-gen refresh, let's say in the next two years? It, well, it, yeah, either holiday 24 or holiday 25. Would you be interested in a higher power you know, more throw throw some more teraflops. You know, th- throw a revision in you know, at, of the Series X out there. Would that be of interest to you, Stella? Would you pay for that? No, Khalid. <laughs> no. So it's, I'm the only one because I'm, I'm a big yes. Uh, so okay, and, and I'll tell you why. It's it would. I think it's probably fair to say I don't have the data. Microsoft does. I sh- next time I get a chance to ask the right person. I will ask them because maybe at this point they'd be willing to share since it's far enough in the past. I would be willing to wager that the Xbox One X, you know, of course it came out at a higher price point. And I suspect that that, that basically was only sold to enthusiasts. I would, I would suspect that one out of 10 Xbox One consoles sold was probably a One X. And, and that's not... I'm not disparaging the One X. I'm just, you know, you, that's probably the reality that, that how many people in your, in your potential pool of customers are going to be willing to spend more for that at the time 4K gaming experience versus the, the number of people that are going to spend two thirds of that or half of that just buy the regular Xbox One S and have a, a nice, you know, 1080p gaming experience, which all the games fully support. And I think that would be the case again, particularly as, like we were saying, these consoles are not going down in price. We're, th- we're just about three years in. There's no even, I don't think any of us are even remotely expecting a price drop anytime soon, given that we had price increases in various <laughs> territories. But I'm still like, I know that I could just upgrade my PC and that, PC gaming is is a way to go, and Xbox fully supports that. And I have a, I'm staring at a decent PC here. My camera sits on top of my my PC, and it's okay. But I also don't super enjoy the sort of the nuance of PC gaming, meaning the like getting everything installed right and swapping out components. It's a lot of people love that. I I can do it. I have done it. I I don't super enjoy it. I would be one that if you said, all right, there's a, there's a $650 mid-gen, let's just call it a, a Series X Pro because Series XX sounds ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> if I would pay $650 for a, for a Series X Pro that could give me consistent 4K 60 frame rates on pretty much everything, or in some cases... Stella 120 frames for for certain games and that 
you know, could, could other could offer other benefits. I, I would be willing to do that because I'm a hardcore enough gamer that prefers gaming on my Xbox that I would do it. But uh, I just I, I think it would be it would be interesting to poll our larger audience to see because we've, we've got two of you that said no, you're not even super interested in a mid-gen and just one of us saying yes. I think if Destin were here, he would say yes, but I can't. I think he would I say yes too. I think, yeah. Because he's I mean, such a, a tech-oriented guy. But but yeah, I, it, it is, I guess the, the kind of ultimate point of this is that uh, it's there's a lot of uncertainty around this now where where after the One X and the PS4 Pro last gen, I think everybody kind of, I don't think I was the only one that, that felt like that was going to be business as usual from now on, that it was going to be that smartphone-like, you know, more frequent iteration on this stuff. But but maybe, you know, this gen, for various reasons, is not going to be like that. Silicon is still hard to come by. Like, even if you think about the nuts and bolts of building these machines, it's still a deficit in terms of where that is. So even if we wanted it, we might not even have the resources to do it. We might have to go in to, to the trade center, like in Starfield and go find oh some God. aluminum <laughs> and get some stuff to get some silicon and get it out of there because it's not on the planet that we're on right now. Uh, but I, I feel you on that. I think Dustin would definitely say, yeah, he would. He would yeah. I think so. It's just like Cause said, it's just like, can the develop will the developers have an easier time adapting their uh their games to fit that platform? Because they only now are are adjusting to this now. So it's like two years, okay. Yeah, sure, everything's back in motion, but I don't know if two years is enough, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe longer, but I don't know. It's it's like I feel like we're just catching up. So that's why I'm I'm a no because I don't think that a new that a refresh could do anything more for developers to actually make those games uh at, at their height, like the, the highest optimized um for that platform. So I I would respectfully disagree, even though neither one of us is a game developer, know, so yeah. we don't really have a leg <laughs> to stand on here, but only because you know the 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 One X started this, and now we are seeing it more regularly mm. on the Series X, and with the because of the Series S as well, where developers are starting to normalize various different graphic settings on console, which of mm. course has been a thing on PC forever. But you know, we're really starting to see now whether you want quality mode performance ray tracing mode pure performance mode and so i do i do i am confident without being a game developer that if there were a a series x pro if there were that higher spec machine that they would be able to to offer value to to gamers at a at a relatively low cost to the developer in terms of having to you know put in a bunch more development support to like I think if you if you just throw some more throw a bunch more horsepower, that that the games are now flexible enough because they're designed to work across so many different configurations that I am confident that that we would see results mm. out of games on a on a mid gen refresh. 
I was going to say something about D- DLSS, but that's not on the Xbox platform because they yeah. ran AMD chips. Anyway, right. never mind. <laughs> I was going to say that would have been cool to see. But I like where your head's at. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but that I... could be a thing, right? We're seeing a lot of graphical emulation in that spot where they're, they're doubling pixels and, and doing mm-hmm. pixel generation and stuff, too. Maybe there is something in that mix that works on console at some point down the line. Uh, that helps I to would be forward. interested. I, I think the. I think the game to test it with would probably be Jedi Survivor because they just mm. had a patch out and it still doesn't fix the issue. It, it fixed like 70% of the issues on console, but it's still not where it should be. Yeah. And it, it sucks because it's a good game, but oh, it's a great game. People just can't play it, especially on console, which is hey, where. Well, yeah. Well, did you see? I finished it on Series X and I okay. didn't really have a. Like, it didn't run, it wasn't like this, you know, right. 60 frames per second buttery, <laughs> but it, but it, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Like, uh-huh. that game will make, will almost certainly be on my personal shortlist for game of the year. Okay. And, and yeah, I, I would not, I would certainly recommend to any Series X owner that they, they play that game right now. I'm, and I played it before this latest big old patch that they, they put out. So, I mean, huh. I, I I get where you're coming from, totally, Stella. But I yeah, I don't know. I I feel like Jedi Survivors. It's in a pretty. It's a it's a totally playable game. That's that's not gonna. You're not gonna be like, oh man, this would be so yeah. good if only the frame rate were a bit better. Like, no, it's it's really good as it is. Oh, okay, interesting. I I've heard the opposite from other people who are playing on consoles. So, um, I I played a PC, so I can't speak to the console experience. Yeah. Um, PC it's great, but like you, I definitely still notice um when there are slight drops. I I have a monster PC, so like I ran into very little bugs even before all the updates and everything, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the mistake of playing it on the highest difficulty, where I do feel like it is less optimized for very specific and accurate moves and blocks and parries and all yeah. the the uh, higher skilled things that you need to be able to do to survive in the higher uh difficulty so in terms of that i feel like they just did not do a great job of really fine-tuning their mechanics and uh the bits of jank that you do run into are very apparent due to that so yeah uh, before we move on to the next topic because there's there's more but there's one more thing on this that i i think bears circling back to and i forget which one of you said it i think it was stella that you were talking about how you know we're really kind of only now getting fully into this generation and khalif help me remember so when we went from 360 to xbox one there was that there, there was sort of that transition period early in that xbox one generation where we did get a decent number of remasters and kind of reissues of things at higher resolutions, frame rates. Um, I feel like Capcom was really guilty of that in the mm. in the early part of that generation. Um, yeah, there were there were a lot of kind of yeah, just like not game of the year editions, but just sort of you know reissues of things on the newer hardware. Right. But and here's the part where I need some some help remembering. I still feel like we generally got on with the Xbox One generation reasonably quickly, uh, or at least I'll say for context, quicker than we have this time. Like, I feel like, because mm-hmm. I agree with with what you said, Stella, I, I do feel like, not that we haven't gotten some really great games this generation, I'm not saying that, but I do feel like technologically speaking, 
it's we've had all the we've had a ton of remasters and and re-releases of things and just cross-gen releases where we haven't like we're only just now starting to finally get series x releases and 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 moving on from the from the xbox one khalif do you Am I am I remembering this correctly? Do you think is is it has it been a sort of a for lack of a better term a longer transition generational transition this time than it was last time? It feels like that, and I think even if you really dig back into like the the zeitgeist of that era, it was really during that era is where we saw a lot of conversation from the PC side grow in a much bigger way too, where it was about what GPU were you running? Oh my God, those folks over there who are playing PC are playing at this resolution and this frame rate. Man, consoles are really struggling at this point to be able to get to any of that. So it winds up feeling like a lot of that kind of hurry up and go wind up moving the Xbox One generation a lot faster to get to a space that was more in line and had a little bit more parity with what PC players are having because they were, to be honest, and, and still are, and they probably will forever because of the way it all works, will have better experiences from a fidelity and frame rate perspective because you have those abilities to swap out pieces and components and do that work with as opposed to a closed system like a console. So it winds up being that now, where there's get, gotten a lot, a little bit closer, we're seeing that kind of information transfer happen. We're seeing that kind of conversation about like, oh, I can play this game on my Xbox Series X or my PlayStation 5 and feel like I'm having a almost similar experience to what's happening on the PC side. So I think that, that energy in the room that was there during the, the Xbox Series 1 layer, I think that definitely shortened up that time frame because it was a as a thing that the audience was asking for too was like we, why don't we have that experience that all our pc friends are having in, in in the games that they're playing so yeah i think i think you're right about that for sure i think it did shorten it up a bit and i guess stella it's uh we probably have the business side of the game industry to to thank in large part for this because the 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 publishers don't want to leave the xbox one and ps4 behind because the PS4 was wildly successful and the Xbox One was no slouch itself. So they've, you know, I, th I think maybe there have been business reasons why we've had to wait for this new generation to properly take hold as well, right? I would assume so, yeah. I mean, the Xbox One, so that was my first console that I owned myself that I didn't borrow or like, you know, do any of that stuff on. So I remember, and I came in through it about mid-generation, I think. So... Um, I remember using it and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, this is easy. Um, I also use the, God, this is, I know people are going to be like, oh, this is very different from what you usually play, but I use the Kinect for um, Just Dance and everything. It was great. Sure, it was like, the best technology yeah. for that, right? Dance and I was like, Central oh my God. is where it's at. Is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought about getting a 360 just to play Dance Central because I did not get to play it and it looks so fun. They have better music. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I do remember that being like the platform. I was like, this is awesome. I can finally play with everyone. Um, I can kind of expect the same quality across all the different games that I bought. And it's so interesting that coming to the Series X, we're just like, I. it's the first like birth of a platform that I'm seeing for a major, like for Xbox, right? Yeah. Where I'm actively part of the industry and part of the, I'm part of the gaming community and also the industry. So I'm just like, oh, I'm seeing all of these new things. So it's very interesting. And, and then also COVID hit. So it's a very unique situation. So 
um yeah of course even then there were like business decisions they had to make about like oh my god what what do we do with the manufacturers what do we do with this so i, I definitely think it was not just one thing that kept the series x and s from really blossoming as soon as it launched so we'll see um yeah i i should throw up maybe maybe after this episode publishes i'll put a, a poll on my twitter Ooh, to see yeah see what people yeah. are just take take the temperature of the unlocked audience because i'm I'm kind of curious since we have uh, since we, we've sort of we've absentee voted for Destin and decided that <laughs> he would vote my way and that which splits us to you know mm -hmm. even right down the middle. So um, we will see how uh, how everybody else is kind of feeling about a mid gen refresh. But Phil Spencer definitely keeping it at arm's length at at best for now. Um, but what we're hoping to get moved a little closer to Xbox, meaning onto the xbox are final fantasy games so destin also asked phil about uh final fantasy 16 and final fantasy 7 remake now that we have finally gotten the announcement that final fantasy 14 the wonderful mmorpg will be coming to xbox and phil said in response quote i recognize that when people buy an xbox they want to make sure the great games that they want to play are coming if there's any publisher out there where that hasn't been true, Square's one of the top. Sarah Bond, the corporate VP of game creator experience and ecosystem at Microsoft. Sarah and I fly to Tokyo to have conversations and we've spent a lot of time with Square. There's obviously business deals and relationships that will have to get worked through on certain games. But I'll say it was really great to have the CEO of Square and Yoshi-san there to talk about their commitment to Xbox. He's referring to the Final Fantasy XIV mm -hmm. announcement. Because I can say, like, I'm the head of Xbox, blah, 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 but having the CEO of one of the third parties make a commitment to the platform, I thought that was a really meaningful step. Step, pardon me. So you'll hear more. I'm not going to push them. They're going to have to find their own rhythm. But having them make a commitment to Xbox, meaning again with Final Fantasy XIV, was really important both to me and I've heard it from the community to the community as well. And 14 was more of a commitment. So again, kind of a non-answer. He didn't directly speak <laughs> to seven remake or 16, but I think the, the, again, I speak Phil and what he, what I would translate that to is we've broken the ice with these guys. We've, we've gotten, we've gotten the dialogue started. So there's some optimism that future Final Fantasy games, whether it's 16 or maybe it's just 17 down the road, and we'll, you know, who knows, we'll see about FF7 Remake, but it sounds like the, the, the initial ice has, has been broken and the conversations are, are, are there. Um, Khalif, your interpretation of that. Yeah, pretty much in alignment with with what you said as the as the Phil whisperer uh, <laughs> to, to to understand where the, where those things are kind of going. Yeah, like I think this is where this is going to go in the beginning stages of this relationship. It is still the feeling out process. It is still trying to figure out the best way to deploy those games and get those games on the platform and see where it's going to go because the fans want it and and Phil has been really good about trying to get get the fans what they want. So uh, this this will, this, will, this will be really interesting to see what the next layer is going to wind up being besides 14 and 
when it's going to come. Because uh, that's Stella, are you part. optimistic that that uh, future Final Fantasies will follow here after this Final Fantasy fourteen announcement? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, fourteen is huge. Like that was the first MMO RPG that I got into consistently for a while. Um, I just could not keep up with the uh, the each expansion, so I I did end up canceling my subscription. But this is huge for them. I mean, this is this is the MMORPG that everyone is really into. And it's very easy to retain people as well because you have that free trial that lasts for like expansions upon expansions and it's crazy. So I, I definitely think that's going to open up a huge audience that are going to be like, okay, well, you have 14. Um, I'm hungry for more. Uh, you, know, you got any more of that Final Fantasy? Uh, come on, Xbox, you know? So I, I think that's definitely going to create a demand on the platform. And I'm very happy for uh, Final Fantasy fans. Yeah, I'm optimistic as well. I, I don't necessarily think it'll be either 16 or Remake. I think there's the better chance would be for future Final Fantasy games to hopefully be day and date on Xbox, which they have been before and hopefully we'll get back to again. Uh, there's time for one more story before we do trivia. And I, I hate to end on a down note. I mean, yes, trivia will be fun. This next story is not, but it, it absolutely is worth worth talking about here and that is some bad some sad news and bad news the developer of saints row and red faction among other games volition volition has announced that its parent company the embracer group is shutting volition down in an update on linkedin the studio wrote this past june embracer group announced a restructuring program to strengthen embracer and maintain its position as a leader in the video game industry. As part of that program, they evaluated strategic and operational goals and made the difficult decision to close Volition effective immediately. To help our team, we are working to provide job assistance and help smooth the transition for our Volition family members. We thank our customers and fans around the world for all the love and support over the years. You will always be in our hearts. Uh, Khalif, just because you're a fellow old like me, I, I, and you've, you've probably played, you've been around a while uh, and have yeah. probably played a lot of their games over the years. I want to I go to you first here. Your uh, maybe oh. just fondest memories of the studio's games because they made a bunch of good ones. I mean, of course, the early, you know, uh, Saints Row games were revolutionary for their time. And, and I was a huge Red Factions fan. Uh, so sad that the, the that they're gone and now you know what does this mean for Embracer? It feels like Embracer now is like the Madden curse of publishers at this point. Where as soon as you see their name on something, you're like somebody's about to get hurt. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to get get hurt now. So massive love to the folks over Volition because they put out so many dope games over the years. So sad to hear this. this was really you have a bad. favorite? Want to pick one, either of, of whether it's Red Faction or Saints Row or even one of their older games? Is kind of does one stand out for you as your favorite Volition the, game ever? That first Red Faction game, like that that game was revolutionary to me. I was just like, technology. I can do what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I can do you what? Can, I can do you that. Can actually, can destroy that the environment. Yeah, that that had oh, never been done before. So good. So yeah, yeah. Red Faction, rest in peace too. Uh, Stella. I don't know how many how many of their games you may have played in more recent years, but your thoughts here on on Volition's unfortunate closure. Yeah, I was I was looking at their site and they just celebrated thirty years, and I'm like, oh my god, dude, this oh. sucks. Um, and yeah, I'm actually trying to see which Saints Row. I, I okay, Saints Row Four, I think was the one that I played. Yes, um, I 
loved Saints Row. I could do so much in it. And I remember making just the most ridiculous character and my friend made an even more ridiculous character and you could just get away with so much. There was so much in the game. I don't even think I could talk about it here because I, I feel like <laughs> there are a lot of censored things that you can do in that game. <laughs> I loved the freedom of that and it was just so fun playing with my friend. Um, so I'm very sad about this. Um, I didn't get to play the latest Saints Row, the reboot that came out, yeah. but it does suck that they weren't able to continue making more games. And especially after the third year thing, I'm reading their, um, their post about it. And it's such a like lovely heartfelt letter to the community. Um, they're talking about this landmark anniversary and they're very, they're still very proud of their studio and they can't wait to move forward. And they said, here's to the next chapter. And it just breaks my heart seeing that. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, <sighs> Video game, it's it's sad regardless of where this occurs, but I happen to know, I've never had a chance to visit the studio, but I know mm. they're a Chicago area developer, and mm. there aren't many. Uh, NetherRealm is the most prominent one. Uh, they're, they're just outside of Chicago. And yeah, Volition, I believe, was kind of out in the suburbs a little bit. And it's just, you know, it's it's a shame to see that local because because those developers now the reason i think that's relevant is they can't all go get hired at nether realm hopefully some of them will but this means that that a lot of them are probably going to have to move their families or you know have some sort of significant life change as a result of this and yeah it's it's just a shame i mean the the 30 year thing that you noted stella is is like just yeah extra heartbreaking yeah I mean, these guys go back to for for the fellow graybeards here. Uh, Descent. I mean, Descent was a, a oh, landmark yeah. game back in the day. Uh, early, early three D, six degrees of freedom. Just a, a tremendous game, and they went on to uh, they they did the Free Space series, which that those I didn't personally play, but they're really re well regarded. And I remember I reviewed Saints Row 1 for official Xbox magazine. And that, you know, Khalif, you touched on it. Saints Row 1 came out at a time when everybody was trying to crack the Rockstar formula and nobody mm -hmm. had come close. Like, there just mm -hmm. wasn't... They were all pale imitations. And... I'm not saying Saints Row 1 was on par with GTA. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. But but Saints Row 1, for me, was the first one that actually, like, was a good clone. And it, it was a clone. Like, I think even Volition would probably tell you that the first game, particularly yeah. Saints Row 1, was, was kind of a San Andreas clone. But it actually stood up as a good game on its own merits. And then, you know, it started to find its personality more with two. Yep. Uh, I know the, the I've, I've brought this up on Twitter before. Most people, at least that follow me, I think a lot of Xbox gamers, it, your favorite generally is either two or three. I'm a Saints mm -hmm. Row three guy. For me, that's when the series peaked in terms of, like, the gameplay was, was at, its, at its finest. Uh, the missions and the mission variety, 
along with the humor, like four for me, no offense, Stella, four went, like went just, they kind of painted themselves into a corner of, mm-hmm. well, we have to make it crazier. And it, it just kind of got a little too <laughs> ridiculous for me. Like which one had fair. Kanye, the Kanye song in that's it? Three. Which one yeah. Pa- that yeah, was three. Yeah. That, that's three. one of the most, this is it. I think right here. Yeah. That, yep. that was it. Yep. Oh, well, that was a little montage anyway. Yeah. Where, where you jump out of the plane or hel- <laughs> it's either plane or helicopter to, to the tune of Kanye West's power and you, yep. you jump onto the rooftop. It's one of the early missions in Saints Row 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just a, just an awesome game. So Saints 3 is my favorite game of theirs. I, I, do, I did enjoy the Red Faction games as well. I always hoped that Red Faction was going to come back. Like doing yeah, Geomod now, like a, a destructible action shooter now, either, whether it's a first-person shooter or a, a third-person shooter. Because I, I think Gorilla was third-person, if I remember right. But mm-hmm. the first couple Red Factions were were first person games so uh yeah just hearts go out to to everybody at volition thank you for all the awesome games over the years you know it's it's just that corporate awfulness at work where you have this studio that's done so much great stuff over 30 years but the we live in such a not just numbers driven but also we live in a what have you done for for me lately kind of corporate environment where the Saints Row reboot didn't work. Mm. Agents of Mayhem before that, which was this sort of weird Saints Row, but not Saints Row game that didn't really work. So, you know, the last the last two games, which kind of amounts to the last five, six, seven years of the studio doesn't work. And so when Volition's looking to to make some make some cuts to save some money it's unfortunate that volition becomes the one that that uh that gets shut down so really sad to see that um and yeah hopefully hopefully everybody affected is able to 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 find an an awesome next chapter of their of their video game career all right uh oh well i've already gone way over again (laughs) i guess we'll save we'll save trivia till next time because otherwise i'm going to get yelled at uh, for going way over our a lot of time this week, so oh, I thought you were going to get yelled at by Destin for doing it without him. But yeah, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Destin will be thanking me for for not doing trivia. He'll be happy that we ran out of time. But yes, Khalif, we love you. Where should everybody be listening to you, watching you, following you? Uh, check out Spawn on Me every Monday. They drop. Uh, we had to move it this week because of some some embargoed conversations. But uh, you can find it on all podcast platforms, YouTube, and Twitch.tv/SpawnOnMe is where you can go check us out every Wednesday evening around six PM uh, to go see the live show. Brilliant, Stella. <laughs> Yeah, uh, at Parallax Stella everywhere, um, except for Instagram, where it is ParallaxStella.official. I am gearing up towards my October uh, powerlifting meet. So you're going to be seeing a lot of training videos for that. But also in the meantime on IGN, I'm going to be helping out with guides content for Starfield. So uh, you can look out for that. And on my personal stream, I am playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. So if you want to see more horny stuff, that is where you can go. <laughs> well, that's a that's a quite a message to close on. <laughs> Um, that was that's probably the single best plug you could have possibly given to your channel right there. Um, I'm not sure that you could top that ever, but um, I'm on Twitter. There's no horny content on it, but if you do want to follow me on Twitter, it's DMC underscore Ryan. So for our awesome producer, Red, along with Khalif Adams and Stella Chung, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Podcast Unlocked 611. 
into the star field I go now that we're done with this show. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get back to it here. We'll see you guys next week. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. <laughs>